0: How do you go to market in a bifurcated state? What can we learn from our Taft-Hartley cousins? And what the heck does bifurcated mean anyway? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of Shift Shapers is brought to you by Major League Mindset, dedicated to helping you play bigger. Do you watch those other advisors grab the large accounts and wonder, what do they know that I don't? Do you think about being the recognized authority on health plans and other benefits in your market, but just aren't sure how to get there? The good news is those other advisors know a few secrets that we can help you learn to turn you into that advisor that everyone else points to as the one to be. We've been there and done that, and we can help you get there, too. Play bigger. Play Major League. Major League. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Jim Garrison. Jim is president at Pacific Federal, which is a private TPA in Southern California. They work with a variety of Taft-Hartley clients in a very defined market, but with some new day relationships. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about the difference in the markets, some of the unique and complex strategies that drive business, and certain parallels between the Taft-Hartley universe and the commercial universe. So with that, welcome, Jim.
1: Thank you David, good morning.
0: Good morning. Tell us a little bit about your background because you've had an interesting journey and we were talking about that a little bit off air and I think all of it relates a lot to what you're doing today.
1: Thank you. I began in the insurance business about 40 years ago and a, as a young agent did a little bit of, you know, primarily life insurance products or individual products and then gravitated to group insurance and for about 40 years I've worked in this business of employee benefits beginning as a sole proprietor to starting my business about 30 years ago to now at the end of the life cycle towards the last few years of my full-time working career.
0: So tell me a little bit about the firm, and then we can talk about the recent purchase or fairly recent purchase by Zenith, and we'll talk a little bit about who Zenith is for folks who aren't familiar with that side of the universe.
1: Yes, the the firm, we were incorporated back in 1977, and at that time, we were doing consulting work and so myself and a few other people and gradually starting hiring more staff and I realized... That I wanted to do more than consulting. That my clients had had service needs related to administration, and about 1990 we expanded into third-party administration services. And what began as a consulting background, where all of our dominant revenue was, you know, selling on a brokerage basis, group insurance products in the Southern California marketplace today and very rapidly after 1990, flipped to where over 99% of our revenue is from third-party administration. And that was our model until we were acquired and we merged with Zenith American two years ago in 2017 to now we are part of the largest privately owned administrator in the United States that focuses on Taft-Hartley, which is third-party administration of group insurance to corporations that have labor union relationships.
0: Tell us a little bit about Zenith, because for those of us who've worked on the Taft-Hartley side of the business, it's a very familiar name, but for other folks, it may not be. Like, Who do they represent? What's their scope?
1: Across the United States, we have over 45 offices. And the 45 offices do administration services, primarily in pension and health insurance, to over two million families across the U.S. That's not belly buttons. These are family units. And we are the largest in that footprint in the United States. We do commercial. We do other aspects of administration, but we're known very favorably for administering health plans for labor union employees. Most of our corporate clients are large major corporations who have elements of their workforce that belong to labor unions.
0: Maybe the hotel and culinary workers, the NBA, a recent, I think, a more recent client. So a pretty diverse
1: portfolio. That's correct. And you go up on the West Coast. We do United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Longshore, ILWU, a lot of work with the Teamsters. We do Laborers Union. There's very few unions that we don't do some aspect of administration for.
0: Now, on the health insurance side, the market is is always the market, and and one of the things we were talking about offline that some folks outside of California may not be aware of that you pointed out to me is that that California is really kind of two markets in one. Would you explain that?
1: Are you referring to the northern part of the state and the southern part of the state? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and this question more and more comes up. I had I had a conference call before our call here, and someone was asked me give them an idea, and you know how big the state is. We have a, a population of just north of 40 million in the state. I heard a comment given to me earlier this week. Someone asked me if I knew where the center of the state was in terms of population. And I'm I'm thinking it's probably north of L.A., like Bakersfield or Kern County, which is, you know, a ways up. And someone made a comment that, no, the center of the state is like Wilshire Boulevard, about two miles west of downtown L.A. Wow. And where I'm going is... Of this 40 million population, within a 100-mile radius of downtown Los Angeles is probably about 25 million people. If you were to take a look at the city of Los Angeles or even maybe Los Angeles County, we probably are bigger than about 40-plus states in the United States. And when you look at these types of statistics, I I will also comment that the state of California is now, I believe, the sixth largest economy in the world. So there are only five countries in the world that are bigger than the state of California. And, yes, we are even bigger than Russia.
0: Yeah, it's hard to imagine. But the different geographies, do they kind of drive different product mixes?
1: They do. You have a lot more competition in Southern California than you do in the North. And as a result, you have you have a lot more self-funding uh, products in the North. You have fewer competition of hospitals in a region. I think in the Southern California area, we have over 150 hospitals. So in, in the backyard of where our office is located, I can look out my window, I can see a hospital a couple of miles in one direction. But I know there's four major hospitals Within a seven-mile radius, and these are hospitals with let's say four hundred plus beds. So we now have competition here from delivery of healthcare, but we also have competition in terms of we compete with major consulting houses that have the same clients that we administer to, but we may be opposite sides for vying for revenue. So it's it's a very robust marketplace.
0: Is the entire state more HMO focused than anything else, or does that also fall along geographic and divisional lines?
1: It does. Your comment's well taken. The North is, it still has strong HMO penetration. Across the footprint of the state, Kaiser is a very dominant provider of healthcare, which is a brick and mortar HMO in California. But you have the other HMOs, United Healthcare, HealthNet, Blue Shield. But when you get to the South, if I were to guess, I'd probably say HMO penetration is definitely north of 80%, maybe 90% in terms of businesses based in California. Very strong HMO penetration.
0: And now, a word from our sponsor. Face it, the market is crazy. There's so much noise that it's getting harder and harder to stand out. Yet some advisors seem to be capturing more than their share of the best clients in your market. Here's what many of them know. To get the spotlight, you have to be in the spotlight. That means being visible everywhere in front of the prospects you want. But if you're thinking that's just too challenging to do one prospect at a time, well, you're right. With the right set of skills, prospects will be looking for you. You have to leverage your time. It's all you have to sell, right? So let us help you get in front of the large groups of prospects you want, with all of them listening to you for insight on how the market got so screwed up and how you can help be their guide out of the morass. Let them know that you have the three C's confidence, competence, and a course of action that can help lead them. Our four-week online course, Pitching from the Stage, will help with all the three Cs as well as improving your ERA, that's Engagement, Relationships, and Authority, with our unique impact method. For more information, click the Major League Mindset logo on the ShiftchapersOnline.com website and use the Special Offer button on the site for a limited-time, first-come, first-served special just for Shift Shapers listeners, play bigger, play major league. And now back to our conversation. There's a new industry that's kind of driving a bunch of business, and, and I know you're, you've touched on it, into it and you're involved in it, and that's the cannabis industry. How did that come about? What do you see as the growth potential and what's being marketed to those folks? And also, how do they pay? Because my understanding is they're mostly cash because of the federal banking laws.
1: Well, you raised you raised four or five questions in the in in your comments there. In the state of California, the dominant union that has representation in cannabis, and I would say in Southern California especially, is the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. To the lay people, this is known as the Retail Clerks Union. In addition, some aspects of cannabis in some Teamster unions are organizing in the cannabis area. And this is an area working with both of those unions. We have an extremely strong footprint in operation history. So the United Food and Commercial Workers Union came to us and asked if we would consider that, putting them into a Taft-Hartley trust fund because they are organizing this industry. And as of to date, since January 1, I think we are just adding our third employer from the industry into that trust fund. So that's part one of how, how we get it. The union goes out and organizes and represents. Many of these retail operations already have health insurance through a broker, but the union says, no, we want you in the union trust fund administered by PAC, Fed, Zenith, and we effectively get a call, go out and do the enrollment and put them in the trust fund. If I can touch on another point that you raised is the issue of payment. This is something I was extremely concerned about, being part of a national... Third party administrator, I did contact Zenith to see if they had any issues. And we, we had some concerns. We had a dynamic discussion in a, in a way of wanting to work with our union relationships. And so we watched to see how the payments were coming in. And we do get paid in check. We do not accept cash. And many of these businesses at this time have business management organizations that are affiliated with them that they do things legal but we and we get the payments in a check I would also comment we will not accept payments from any company that has cannabis or marijuana in their name you know there's issues of banking that we're worried about and I don't want to deposit a check into any of our bank accounts into our client bank accounts that has the word cannabis on it because this raises a red flag or marijuana So there's a little bit of a dance going on that we'd all like to be cleaned up from a banking standpoint. Can I give you a couple other related comments to this that are problems and issues? The issue of banking for this industry does need to be cleaned up. It presents a significant problem also for the employees who work there, who get paid in what is a California state legal business or could be Colorado state legal business company. But they place themselves in jeopardy by getting income from a cannabis company that they're now trying to deposit into a bank.
0: Sure. So you said there's some other issues as well?
1: I sit on the board of directors Los Angeles Area Chamber of Commerce, and we're extremely active in the cannabis because we have a, a segment that that are cannabis business and associations that are members of our chamber. And we advocate what we call safe banking rules. We really don't want the employee to lose their house or have their loan called because they happen to work for a cannabis company that gives them a check. So I know that's not the tone of our conversation, but what I'm saying is the issues that we have collecting money permeates throughout the employment sector. The people that we give benefits there also have concerns on banking.
0: Okay. Well, you know, let's go back to something that's maybe more in common with, with all sides of the business. And, that you mentioned to me when we when we chatted off air which is that sometimes with Taft Hartley accounts and it's the same with commercial accounts the level of service isn't exactly as robust as you might want what what do you find in particular on the Taft Hartley side i know that you know a claim is a claim but eligibility is completely different there are other pieces of doing Taft Hartley business that have their own unique aspects What are you finding in terms of lack of service and and how are you overcoming it?
1: That's a really good question that you raised because that's that's the dominant motivator. The answer to that question, the discussion is why we went into third-party administration. When I began in the business, the carriers all had a lot of feet on the ground. They had service reps that you could call to help you with open enrollment or to send out to a client to have them properly pay a bill. That doesn't exist anymore. For us to get support from a carrier, it exists, but it exists on a very limited basis. And what I find is, especially if you if you look at the model of Taft Hartley administration, this was a model historically that has no service that the client pays and they complain about having less service than what they could get from their carrier or their broker. And our viewpoint here is we could go into that marketplace, PACFED could, and provide service similar, in many cases, much better than what the broker is. We have to compete in this marketplace. Competition isn't always price-driven. It's how come you don't show up like our broker did, or how come And so with that, our model in this marketplace is we have a field service component. We have staff on the ground that service our clients, that assist with open enrollment, that help resolve billing or eligibility issues there. Plus our call center is issues resolved here. They're not just given an 800 number to call Anthem or to call Blue Shield. We resolve the Anthem or Blue Shield issue here.
0: Do you have an awful lot of problems with price stability in the markets that you serve?
1: No different than a broker would. Yet we have a huge advantage as a Taft-Harley Trust administrator is we're able to moderate increases by what I call use of reserves that the broker cannot do. The way that you do a Taft Hartley Trust Fund, you have a, a way that you build up what I call reserves. In, in good years, generally you build up, let's say, a few dollars a month per employee, which becomes millions of dollars. So in a tough year, I know one of our clients had a tough year last year. We're drawing down reserves for this client that may be having about 8,000 family units. We're burning about a million and a half reserves. What I mean is we're able to moderate and soften the blow this year for the benefit and stability of the employers in that program.
0: Well, that, that's interesting because, I mean, you know, we we all talk when we're talking about partially self-funded plans, we all talk about reserves and, you know, what the best way to use them is and how you fund and what your equivalents are. How do you have that conversation with, with a prospective union? When you talk to them about how that works and overcome the well, geez, if, it, if it's extra money, just give it back to us. Don't save it for that rainy day.
1: Well, well, the laws are very clear. The, the, the money in a trust fund, it could be a Taft-Hartley trust, could be a, a MIWA or any employee benefit trust fund belongs to the participants. And this is a pretty quick conversation with the employer, with the union. The attorneys get it real quick. The only way you can use that money is for the benefit of the participants. Certainly, you could give a check to, when you you have a lot of money in the trust, to every participant. That's generally not a good use of the funds. A better use of the funds is to moderate the cost increase, let's say, in a future year by the fact that you have extra reserves in one year. And that's generally how legally that you use the funds. So this is a pretty good conversation. Easy with most of our large clients they understand what we do get requests a lot if we administer typically trust funds or by union by union. And if I think of maybe a a teamster union trust fund that we administer when they're negotiating with a new employer, oftentimes they'll want to know what is the renewal history. Give me your percentage increases the last five years. We want to see how stable you've managed this block of business.
0: Well, that, that makes sense. Are you seeing, in, in your markets, are you seeing agency roll-ups as we're seeing them elsewhere, and, and, and how are they affecting you on the Taft-Hartley side?
1: They are. We're we're seeing not as many small agencies because of the consolidation and the roll-ups, and we're seeing more sophisticated competitors in the marketplace. I look at major firms that people might know, Hub, Alliant, Arthur Gallagher that you, you kind of think as large second-tier players, we always think of an Aon or maybe a Mercer. But we have a few more very sophisticated players in this marketplace. Very seldom now do we, very often when we're asked to go in to make a presentation to the employer, on the other side or at the table with the employer is their advisor Employee benefits advisor that comes with a very strong background, and very seldom is it a sole proprietor; it's someone affiliated with a well-known employee benefits firm. So the the level of quality of competition has is increased in this marketplace. So we're definitely over the last decade, as a result of the roll up.
0: So we've got about a minute left. What do you see is the future? What's it look like from where you sit?
1: I'm very excited. I think there's opportunities for people in the benefits world, to align with major firms or emerging firms. It's so much different than I began in the business with. But the the change, and I like the saying, there's opportunity where there's change. Where there's chaos, there's opportunity. And it's something I can't imagine doing anything different than I've done in my career I'm very fortunate. I still love it as much as I did when I began. And I'm enthusiastic for anyone who would consider going into this career working with people and benefits has, has been great fun. Jim
0: Garrison, President at Pacific Federal. Jim, thank you for sharing your expertise with us and for being a Shift Shaper.
1: Thank you, David. I enjoyed the visit.
0: The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.